1: standing by, the conference is ready to begin. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to National Bank of Canada's fourth quarter results conference call. I would now like to turn the meeting over to Mrs. Linda Boulanger, Senior Vice President of Investor Relations. Please go ahead, Mrs. Boulanger.
2: Thank you, Operator. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to our fourth quarter presentation. Presenting this afternoon are Laurent Ferreira, President and CEO of the bank, Giseline Parent. Chief Financial Officer, and Bill Bonnell, Chief Risk Officer. Also joining us for the Q&A session are Stéphane Achard and Lucie Blanchet, Co-Heads of PNC Banking, Martin Gagnon, Head of Wealth Management, Denis Girouard, Head of Financial Markets, and Jean Dagenet, Senior VP Finance. Before we begin, I refer you to slide two of our presentation, providing National Bank's caution regarding forward-looking statements. With that, let me now turn the call over to Laura.
3: Merci Linda, and thank you everyone for joining us. It is a pleasure for me to be speaking with you on my first earnings call as the bank's CEO. Over the last 23 years, I've had the privilege of working alongside great people at National Bank. I am proud of our culture, our employees, the relationships we've built with our clients, and our constant focus on value creation. It is with excitement and a great sense of responsibility that I, along with our management team, will lead the bank. On a personal note, I want to sincerely thank my predecessor, Louis, who retired after 15 years as our CEO. Louis's leadership will have a lasting impact on all of us, the industry, and the broader based business community moving on to our results this morning we reported a strong fourth quarter capping off a great year for the bank for fiscal 2021 pre-tax pre-provision earnings were up 12 percent year over year reflecting superior loan growth strong client asset growth and the resilience of our capital markets franchise our performance demonstrates the strength of the bank supported by our culture, the strategic positioning of our businesses and our discipline. The bank generated a leading, <clears throat> excuse me, an industry-leading return on equity while maintaining strong capital levels and prudent credit reserves. Our credit quality remains strong and our portfolios have performed very well since the beginning of the pandemic. Regarding capital deployment, Our strategy has always been driven by discipline, and that remains unchanged. Our number one priority is to generate strong organic growth while maintaining solid capital levels. We continue to see strong momentum in our businesses in this regard. Following Aussie's announcement on November 4th, this morning we announced a 23% increase to our common share dividend. Our objective was to reset our dividend towards the lower end of our medium-term payout target range of 40 to 50%, in line with historical practice. Following this increase, we remain committed to delivering sustainable dividend growth to our shareholders, demonstrating our confidence in the earnings power of the bank. We also announced our intention to launch a normal course issuer bid providing us with the flexibility to buy back common shares as appropriate. As communicated in the past, we view buybacks as a complement to organic growth, not as a substitute. National Bank has a strong record of delivering superior value to its shareholders over time, and that will remain a key focus going forward. Turning now to the performance of our business segments for Fiscal 2021. P&C Banking had a very good year, with PTPP up 10%. Our performance was characterized by strong volume growth on both sides of the balance sheet. We expect the strength in residential mortgages to continue due to factors such as the imbalance in the housing market, labor market recovery, immigration picking up, the low interest rate environment, and strong household balance sheets. On the commercial banking side, we experienced particularly strong growth in residential insured commercial real estate in 2021. Looking forward, we see good momentum with broad-based pickup in several sectors. Wealth management delivered solid results in 2021, with PTPP up 22% from last year. Client assets grew close to 30% and reached a record level of $650 billion, reflecting record net sales across our channels and favorable markets. In fiscal 2021, our wealth management segment represented 24% of the bank's total revenues and generated superior return on equity. We are pleased with the strategic positioning of our wealth franchise, a key growth lever and a strategic focus for the bank. Financial markets delivered solid results in 2021. Our corporate and investment banking group was well positioned to take advantage of strong market conditions and had a record year with revenues up 24%. Global markets did well following an exceptional performance in 2020. Our results this year truly demonstrate the resilience and diversification of our earning stream. As we enter the new fiscal year, we are seeing strong momentum in our financial markets business. Turning to our international segment, we are very satisfied with our strategy focused on Credigy and ABA Bank. Both have consistently delivered strong growth and superior returns. As we look ahead, our international strategy is unchanged. Our focus remains on these two activities. Credit delivered solid returns in fiscal 2021. Asset growth has been picking up in recent months, and we expect double-digit asset growth in 2022. Revenues are expected to be relatively stable in 2022, given the $26 million gain on the sale of a portfolio in the first quarter. This translates into high single-digit revenue growth for 2022, excluding that gain. ABA Bank had another strong year with revenues up 24%, loans up 31%, and deposits up 34% on a year-over-year basis. Conditions have greatly improved in Cambodia. Lockdown measures have been lifted, and borders have reopened. Looking ahead... We expect double-digit growth for 2022. I would like to share a few thoughts on the economy. While the pace of the economic recovery remains dependent on the path of the pandemic and the emergence of new variants, Canada is doing well compared to the rest of the world. Employment has regained all of the ground lost after only 19 months, the fastest recovery in the last four recessions. Supply change disruption and inflation are risks under current conditions, but high commodity prices are a strength for the Canadian economy. In addition, household savings are high, providing a good cushion to absorb a rise in interest rates in 2022. Quebec remains well positioned given the diversification of its economy and the resilience of its households, which will continue to benefit from the fiscal flexibility of the provincial government who has just introduced more stimulus. The current business environment is positive. We are optimistic but remain prudent in our approach, given uncertainties related to the pandemic, inflation, and labor shortages. Based on what we are seeing today, our base case is that we will achieve mid-single-digit PTPP growth for fiscal 2022. To recap, the Bank delivered outstanding results in 2021, and we are well positioned heading into 2022. The Bank's sustained performance reinforces our plan to continue to build on our strength, our culture, our strategic positioning, our discipline when it comes to capital, risk and cost, and our commitment to performance. These assert us well and will continue to be central to our decision-making in the future. Now, let me outline some thoughts on where we plan to put more emphasis as we look ahead. First, our culture remains critical. We are committed to investing in our people and providing winning conditions for our employees. We want to offer our clients the best service and advice. We'll continue to focus on deepening relationships and gaining market share, both in our core Quebec market and across Canada. We are also focused on continuing our transformation. Digital innovation and automation are key to enhancing client experience and gaining operational efficiencies. As we continue to grow all our segments, we are looking to further leverage our wealth management, and commercial banking franchises. We like our strategic positioning in these businesses as well as their growth potential. We believe in collaborative models between our businesses and our plan is to do more in the coming years in all of our client segments. Sustainability is also a key part of our strategy across the bank and we will continue to support our communities and our clients In the transition of a net zero carbon Canadian economy. Finally, we will continue to deploy relentless energy towards a diverse and inclusive workplace where people can develop and thrive. The Bank is in great shape. It is well positioned to generate solid growth and to deliver superior returns to our shareholders the National Bank team is excited about the future and ready to adapt to the challenges and opportunities ahead. On that, I will now turn it over to Gislet.
4: Thank you, Laurent, and good afternoon, everyone. Turning to page 8, the Bank delivered a very strong performance this year. Our pre-tax, pre-provision earnings grew by 12%, reflecting, reflecting strong performance across the Bank and positive operating leverage of 1.2%. All business segments performed well in 2021, reflecting the resilience and diversification of our business. Expenses were up 9.8% in 2021 due to the strong performance of our teams throughout the bank, which resulted in higher variable compensations. Excluding variable compensation. Expenses were up 4%, driven by talent and technology. We expect continued pressure on costs as we enter 2022 in the context of inflation, especially on wages. Cost management continues to be a priority at the bank. Over the past five years, we have improved the efficiency ratio by more than 500 basis points, and over the same period, we delivered positive operating leverage every year. The entire management team remains highly committed to transformation and long-time disciplined approach to cost management. Looking ahead, we are confident that we can achieve positive operating leverage in fiscal 2022. However, operating leverage may be pressured in the first quarter due to the timing of certain expenses and a low expense level in Q1 of last year. We continue to move forward with our transformation in 2021 as we adapt to the changing needs of our customers and reinforce our culture of change and operational agility. In fiscal 2022, our main focus will be on enhancing client experience, supporting new business initiatives, and simplifying our systems and processes. Now turning to page uh, to capital on page 9. The bank handed fiscal 2021 in a solid position with a strong CT1 ratio of 12.4%, a robust risk-weighted asset growth for the year, an industry-leading ROE, and significant credit reserves. In the fourth quarter, net income generation added 46 basis points to our CT1 ratio, reflecting the solid performance of our businesses as well as as our strong credit performance. Excluding the impact of foreign exchange, risk-weighted assets growth amounted to 17 basis points of CT1. As anticipated, the acquisition of Flinks reduced our CT1 by 11 basis points. Now turning to page 10, our total capital ratio stands at 15.9% this quarter, our liquidity ratios remain strong with an LCR of 154% and a net stable funding ratio of 117%. The bank delivered an outstanding performance in 2021. All businesses performed well, contributing to a superior return on equity of 20, 20.8%. With solid capital levels, a strong credit position, and diversified growth levers, the bank enters 2022 from a position of strength. On that, I'm turning the call
5: over to Bill. Merci, Giselin, and good afternoon, everyone. I'll start on slide 12 with a look back on the credit performance for the full year of 2021. We finished the year with total PCLs of just $2 million, driven by impaired provisions of 11 basis points and a release of performing provisions of nine basis points. This strong performance reflects three factors. First, the solid footing with which we entered the crisis, with strong credit quality, a defensive positioning in our product and sector mix, and a resilient geographic footprint. Second, the strong economic recovery, which has already brought Canadian employment back to pre-pandemic levels, amid a supportive monetary and fiscal policy backdrop. And finally, our proactive approach to building and maintaining prudent allowances in the face of significant uncertainty. We were pleased with this performance in fiscal 2021, and while the pandemic continues to generate uncertainty, we believe our risk profile and prudent allowances continue to position us well for the year ahead. Now, looking at the performance in the fourth quarter, the positive trends that began earlier last year continued across the portfolio last quarter. Impaired PCLs declined to $19 million, or four basis points, driven by retail and international provisions remaining at cyclical lows, a decline in corporate banking provisions quarter over quarter, and a second consecutive quarter of net recoveries in commercial banking. Performing loan provisions saw a net release of $58 million, or 13 basis points. Updates in portfolio quality and economic scenarios were the main drivers of performing provisions this quarter. Both our retail and non-retail portfolios benefited from releases, while good portfolio growth in the international sector generated a performing loan provision of $3 million. Now looking ahead to next year, for impaired loan provisions, we should begin to see a return to more normalized levels during the year. In both retail and international portfolios, this normalization is likely to happen over the next year and into 2023. In non-retail portfolios, we also expect some normalization, recognizing that impaired provisions or recoveries can be lumpy from quarter to quarter. Given the positive trends we saw at the end of 2021, in terms of delinquencies, formations, and savings rates, impaired PCLs could remain unusually low in the early, early part of next year. For the full year of 2022, we are targeting a range in impaired PCLs of 15 to 25 basis points and currently expect to be towards the bottom part of that range. Our performing loan provisions should continue to be driven by changes to macroeconomic scenarios, portfolio growth and migration. Absent a significant deterioration in the macroeconomic outlook, we would expect additional releases from our performing allowances next year. Turning to slide 13, our total allowances for credit losses declined by $70 million quarter over quarter and remain about 52% above the pre-pandemic level. Performing loan allowances declined by $59 million, taking our cumulative release to 38% of the performing allowances we built during the pandemic. The remaining $879 million provides strong coverage of impaired PCLs. Impaired loan allowances declined by $9 million quarter-over-quarter and provide good coverage of gross-impaired loans. On slide 14, we have provided some key metrics that demonstrate the adequacy of our allowances. We remain very comfortable with the prudent level of our allowances. Turning now to slide 15, our gross-impaired loans declined to $662 million, or 36 basis points in the quarter. Total formations also declined driven by net repayments in the commercial and corporate loan portfolios. Both gills and formations are well below the pre-pandemic levels, so we could expect some normalization next year and into 2023. On slide 16, the mix in our Canadian RESIL portfolio remains stable, with 33% being insured and 54% being in the province of Quebec. In the appendices, you'll find further information on our loan portfolio and market risks. In conclusion, we have been very pleased with the performance of our loan portfolios this year. We recognize that uncertainty remains in the future path of the economy, however, our disciplined approach to risk, our portfolio's defensive positioning, and our prudent levels of allowances, we are very confident that we're well positioned to continue delivering strong performance in the year ahead. On that, I will turn it over to the operator for the Q&A.
1: Thank you. We'll now take questions from the telephone lines. If you have a question and you're using a speakerphone, please lift your handset before making your selection. If you have a question, please press star 1 on your device's keypad. You may cancel your question at any time by pressing star 2. Please press star 1 at this time if you have a question. There will be a brief pause while the participants register for questions. Thank you for your patience. The first question is from Doug Young from Desjardins Capital Markets. Please go ahead.
6: Hi. Good afternoon. Um, Just on Canadian PNC banking, I mean, commercial loan balance is increasing 18% year-over-year, 5% quarter-over-quarter. I guess I have a few questions around this. One, can you dig a little bit more into what drove the growth? Um, And then second, as it it relates to NIMS, your commercial loan growth uh, clearly outpaced your mortgage loan growth. But I think there was an indication that the NIM compression was mix related, and so I'm just trying to get a little bit more information or a little bit more color as to why mix would have had such a big impact on NIMs, given you know the commercial growth relative to mortgages. Is there something else that's going on within the book? Thank you.
7: Hi, Doug. It's Stefan. So, so you're right. Um, the the growth was phenomenal last year at 18, uh, percent and it was largely driven by the the book of uh, insured real estate, and and that book has almost doubled over the last year. We took opportunity in the, in the market, and we wanted to grow that book outside of Quebec, particularly, and and obviously those loans call for much smaller premiums because of their uh, insured nature. They still provide an excellent Ray Rock, and that influenced the um, the loan margins uh, substantially. So that element, combined with the um, the deposit mix, if, if I may say, actually uh, explains uh, the NIMs for, for the last year.
6: And how, and maybe just a, what is your outlook for NIMs as we look out? I mean, I know it, there's a lot of moving pieces in it, but you know, it, you know if you had a crystal ball, like what do you how do you think NIMs unfold through fiscal 22 for Canadian banking?
7: For Canadian banking, Lucie, you want to? Yeah,
2: maybe I can jump in. Um, so thank you for the question. Uh, obvious, obviously, expected increases in interest rates are positive for uh, the PNC names, but NIMS are also impacted by other factors than interest rate and b- business mix and market competitiveness, being two important ones. So, I would stay prudent and say that it's early to see clearly where names will go in 2022. Um, in 2021, we grew the balance sheet, kept our pricing discipline and risk discipline and generated net interest income growth of 6%, despite a seven-beeps decline in NIMS. So our, our objective is really to continue to generate organic growth, grow the franchise, and deliver consistent NII growth. So for Q1, though, we expect NIMS to remain stable on a sequential basis.
7: A lot of that, Doug, is going to be contingent as well on the deposits, what's going to happen with commercial deposits, amongst other things. They've been really sticky up to now, but... Um, I mean, all our peers have the same consideration and uncertainty.
6: No, that's that's fair. And then, Laurent, maybe I could just, you know, when I look at the dividend, um, and I modeled it, when well, you could have increased it and still remained at the bottom end, you know, I was thinking the dividend increase could have been a little bit higher. So I'm just trying to get a sense, is this the step up, one big step up, or is this kind of a gradual step up, and then every second quarter you're going to continue to increase dividends? And um, and you've left yourself some room to further push the dividend up. i 'm just trying to get a sense of that.
3: Um, thank you for your question. I mean we've always positioned it towards the lower end of the range historically uh because that provides us with flexibility uh, and ob- look obviously the the objective uh that we've always had is to maintain uh you know sustainable increases and you know we we do have obviously confidence in the earnings power of the bank to do that. But, um, so yeah, that remains the objective on, on the dividend side.
6: And you're still every second quarter is the, is the plan to, to increase.
3: That's, that's the plan. Yes. Oh, okay.
6: And then just lastly, maybe on PCLs, um, you know the 15 to 25 basis point wide range you're, you're you're kind of indicating more towards the low end of that what what would have to happen for you to hit 25 basis points of impaired PCL
5: yeah well Doug thanks thanks for the question you know I think that uh, you've seen us remain prudent through the, the through the whole pandemic in terms of our our guidance and we try to give you insights based on the facts that we know so certainly uh that our expectation is to be close to the bottom end of that range um the the uh, uh the, uh, the uh, what would ha- have to happen to uh to be at the top of the range would be a significant deterioration and one that we certainly don't see and that's why we give you guidance on the towards the low end i think last year you will have seen that from the beginning of the year through the year as we got more visibility on the path of the pandemic we did adjust our uh, our range, and and we'll see how it goes this year. We'll we'll try to give uh, as much visibility as the as the, the facts allow. Um, you know, from where we sit now, the portfolio trends, the macro outlook, the level of uncertainty. It's really uh, the, we 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 feel very confident that the lower end of the range is the target, and. If there isn't a significant uh, deterioration in the macro outlook, we would expect to see continued uh, releases in the performing allowance.
1: Great, thank answer. you. Thank you. The next question is from Nigel D'Souza from Veritas Investment Research. Please go ahead.
6: Uh, thank you. Good afternoon. I wanted to follow up on the, uh, the line of questioning on your allowances and. Yeah, I'm wondering why you haven't been more aggressive in releasing uh, the current performance allowance. And the reason I ask that is when I look at your disclosure on 100% weighting to your base case allowances, it's closer to 600 million. Uh, when I look at the 100% weighting to the pessimistic, it's closer to 1.3 billion. So your current allowances are somewhere halfway in, in the middle between your 100% base and 100% pessimistic, which suggests a fairly higher or substantial weight to the pessimistic scenario. And that's one with lockdown and double-digit unemployment and negative real GDP growth. So I'm just trying to get a sense of, uh, do you actually think that's a, a, a possible outcome where there's material risk of probability of that happening? And maybe you can explain why you're still apparently uh, holding those higher reserves and uh, weighting the pessimistic scenario higher.
5: Yeah, thanks, Nigel. I, I think I'll just go back to my comments from last quarter, which were that we haven't been through a pandemic cycle before. And the, in this environment, uncertainty remains high. Uh, so we want to remain prudent.
6: Save a little more this month. Chime checking accounts have features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with spot me and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals 24. Banking services debit card divided by Bancorp, Bank NIA, or Stride Bank NIA members of FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply.
0: Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
6: Okay, uh, fair enough. So maybe I could switch to another question on how you're thinking about pricing uh, your assets and loans uh, given current interest rate uh, uncertainty. Uh, you know, and ask that because you know yields, bond yields for government bonds, for example, are, are probably reflecting interest rate hike expectations. Uh, and the spread, you see that in the spread between the variable rate and, and the fixed rate for mortgages. So, how do you think about pricing your your products in this environment where there's considerable interest rate uh, uncertainty? Are you are you waiting more on the policy rate pathway to, uh, to have some visibility, or are you uh, looking at uh, what the market yields are telling you?
3: Nigel, uh, my, Nigel, this is Laurent, Could you just be a little bit more specific? Which which product are you talking about specifically?
6: I think we could maybe focus on residential mortgages, but if you could touch on your commercial uh, products, that'd be helpful too.
2: Yeah. So it's Lucy. Um, obviously, since Q2, uh, variable rates have been most popular at origination, given the difference in price in pricing that uh, that, you, uh, that we see. Um, I mean, here we follow uh, consumer um, behavior and consumer appetite on uh, on uh, interest rate volatility. Uh, and with what we see right now, it's also a positive uh, on the margin side.
7: And on the commercial side, uh, I'll, I'll say, um, Nigel, that we've got a balanced portfolio. So pricing um, strategy on products is not going to be a function of whether we've got rising interest rates or not, but it's actually... What may happen is, much like Lucy mentioned, is clients moving on for the first time in maybe 10 or 15 years, moving on to longer terms than before, uh, that call for for higher spreads. but uh, And we've seen that in the market over the last three, four months as the discussion on potential rate hikes has emerged.
6: Okay, that's uh, helpful. Thanks for the comments.
1: Thank you. The next question is from Minaya Groman from Scotiabank. Please go ahead.
8: Hi, good afternoon. I have a question on uh, the run rate uh, earnings power of the financial markets business. You know, I think we've talked about this before, how we should think about uh, the run rate earnings power in that business as being higher after the pandemic uh, than than pre-pandemic. And I just wanted to... uh, get your updated thoughts on that uh, especially in the context of thinking about 2022 but beyond as well
9: yes theny thanks for the question uh as you see you know uh looking forward is uh it's always uh you know more an art than a science but what we I can see right now is that uh you know for CIB we saw 2021 was a record year for us okay ripping off the benefits of the past investment we expect the activity level to remain elevated our MA pipeline is very strong after a softer August and September, and the momentum continue on the ESM, on the ECM. Sorry, uh, global markets. You know the trading activity level pick up in light of lingering uh, COVID and economic uncertainty, meaning increased volatility, uh, and we will continue to operate uh, in our risk appetite. And I can tell you, uh, the fourth quarter was a kind of a tough for us in the sense that. Uh, August and September, uh, client activity was quite low compared to the uh, rest of the year. But since uh, mid-October, we saw a huge pickup in activity and uh, it's quite uh, interesting for uh, the coming months. Hopefully, things will uh, remain as they are right now, a lot of volatility, a lot lot of client client presence in the market and we're going to be ready for that. Uh, That being said, you know, as demonstrated in the past, we tend to be agile. We are pursuing further diversification of uh, our revenue stream. We invest quite a lot in the business in the last year. That's why you saw uh, expenses going up. Uh, That's not something that we used to. But not least, cost management is a constant focus, and we continue to target an industry-leading efficiency ratio in the low 40. And that's what we're aiming for. I hope it's uh, answering a little bit your question.
8: Yeah, and and maybe just to follow up, uh, the guidance was given about mid-single-digit pre-tax, pre-provision, earnings growth in 2022. How does financial markets line up? Uh, I would imagine at the the lower end of of that, uh, (coughs) but I just wanted to check.
9: Well, it's probably in the middle of that, same as the bank, you know, mid-single-digit. This is what we're aiming for on a constant basis, I would say. Some years is better, some other years is less, but that's what we're aiming for.
8: And, and just broadening that out, broadening that out into the other business segments, how, how does that pre-tax pre-provision earnings uh, guidance look for the PNC business and, and for wealth uh, and, and for the, the specialty finance business? Uh,
3: Looking uh,
8: above or below?
3: Many, it's it's Laurent. Um, look, I'm not prepared to go into specifics. Into each and every business, but I think overall, uh, the fact that we, we we gave some guidance here uh, means that we're we're quite positive in, in all of our businesses uh, for, for next year. Uh, you know, PNC we uh, we see we still see some good momentum on uh, on mortgages. Um, you know, we're we're seeing a bit of a pickup in cards with uh, the discretionary spend going up. And the commercial lending uh, uh, trends that you've seen uh, are still, uh, still strong. Um, wealth, you saw our performance this year. Uh, that momentum is still there. Um, you know, I think uh, Martin has always indicated in the past that, you know, we target double-digit uh, earnings growth. Uh, that hasn't changed in our wealth business. You just heard from uh, Denis on our financial markets business. And as for the uh, international, we're, we're very well positioned. We have um, you know, ABA in, a, uh, in an economy that's, that's, uh, that's a high-growth economy. Uh, we expect double-digit growth in 2022 for ABA. And uh, for Credigy, well, we have very good visibility on asset growth, so it should be also a, a good year for Credigy.
8: Thanks, Lauren. You know, we always try and get more. I'm just trying to basically understand, you know, which businesses are going to drive that number and which are going to lag, but uh, I, I understand the, the details.
1: Thank you. The next question is from Paul Holden from CIBC. Please go ahead. Thanks. I want to go back to the uh, mortgage conversation.
10: I guess the specific question I want to ask is, did competitive forces at all Play a role in the lower NIM this quarter, and particularly the impact it's had on the uh, on new mortgage originations.
2: Yes, it's Lucy. Um, so we all know that the mortgage business is probably one of the most competitive ones, and uh, sometimes navigating in that environment, like then you said, is half art and half science. Um, what we see, uh, what's important for us, is to send a consistent message to our stakeholders on our price positioning, and avoid stop-and-go messages. So our strategy is not to lead with price, but, but we be more of a smart follower with a competitive positioning for our clients. So we've seen some peers with superior mortgage growth being more aggressive since last summer, but we always try to remain very disciplined uh, on our approach, as you know. Um, so in the past quarter, we've seen some margin compression due to competitiveness, for sure, but also, in the last two quarters, there's been some lag between cost of fund increase and increases in client rates, so there's a bit of that uh, of what we see right now
10: understood that's, uh, that's helpful and then I also want to follow up on uh, earlier discussion around the growth in uh, in business deposits and the impact that that's having on NIM so I guess the first question there would be what could what factors could um, reverse the growth in business deposits? Is it simply um, business customers getting more comfortable with the macro environment and starting to invest again, or maybe there's other factors at play? And then, two, if those deposits do reverse, should we simply think about that as positive to NIM, but
7: perhaps a net negative to NII uh, overall? So, um, thanks, Paul. Um, the first element, yeah, the, the use of these deposits and any potential reduction will likely come firstly from yeah positive outlook from Canadian businesses reinvesting and, um, and the second element, obviously we can't uh, we, we need to highlight as well as supply chain issues, so a lot of Canadian businesses. Uh, are not investing in their working capital the way they should be at the level because there is not availability as it should be and we're seeing that as well on the drawings in the op- in the operating lines of credit it's starting to creep up over the last two or three months but it remains very low relative to normal pre-pandemic levels so i think the deposits and and drawings on the HELOCs will go hand in, in hand while one will go down the other one will go up uh, that's the first element and with regard to the impact on, on the NIM, it's been largely liquidity premiums on deposits that affected the NIMs in the last year. So overall NIM for P&C could be affected, although we have an outlook of, of stable by the asset mix overall as these deposits go, move down.
10: Great. That's helpful. Thank you. And final question for me is with respect to inflation, again, something that's already come up in this call. But just curious, is, is, is there a risk at all to your PTPP um, guidance and expectation around operating leverage if wage inflation accelerates more than any of us would expect, or are there offsets in the expense base that you could use to offset that type of scenario? Uh,
3: This is Laurent. Overall, uh, you know, we view the uh, you know a little bit of inflation and obviously increases in interest rates are uh, uh, fairly good for our uh, our business this year. Um, <clears throat> now, I think I think what's important is the mindset uh, that uh, you have around the table here in terms of discipline on cost at all times and uh also a mindset that you know uh, constantly what uh delivers uh positive operating leverage year over year uh so you could see from time to time uh you know uh timing issues which uh, could be uh, the case at the beginning of the year but uh, i mean we're fairly confident at this point in time uh, i would say in terms of uh, you know inflation anticipation and uh our business growth and and you know obviously we're very focused uh on on building our businesses and on that as I mentioned before we're uh, we feel pretty confident and uh, uh, our outlook is positive in terms of uh revenue growth
10: Okay, I'll
1: uh, leave it there. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Scott Chan from Canaccord Genuity. Please go ahead
11: uh, thank you good afternoon um, so wealth management is now you know, a larger portion, I think you said, it's 24% of, of earnings. And then just digging down a little bit uh, on the revenue side, uh, when I look at fee-based revenue, which is a large portion of the revenues, is it fair to say a lot, most of that line item is based on assets, or asset growth, or market?
12: Um. Hi, it's Martin here. Uh, thanks for the question. The, uh, you're right that uh, uh, fee base is uh, is an important source of revenue. I always say that looking at uh, AUA and AUM uh, is the key uh, driving uh, indicator for this. And, um, you know, the uh, balance portfolio was up about 17%, and you see uh, how much we grew uh, AUA and AUM, so that gives you a very good indication of uh, how we've performed and how we have uh, gained market share in many of our businesses in 2021, and uh, we're really happy about that performance.
11: And just to follow up, so your P base is up 21% year-over-year year, uh, annual, and your AUA and AUM was up 28 and 34%. Um, and you set a record in that sales, and I can kind of see that uh, that chart that you showed. Um, what, can you can you kind of describe what your maybe not secret sauce, but why why you've been outperforming um, you know other other financial institutions in terms of wealth management and asset management? I think you call that distribution, but if you if you've got anything else, that'd be helpful. Thanks. I think there's a
12: there's a long explanation to this, but um, the industry focuses a lot on AUM. Uh, whereas we have a very large AUA business, um, and and for us the uh, the AUA is key. And um, you know there's a lot of uh, differences in basis point you can capture um, as. as there are different types of AUM and different types of AUA, but it's, it's a mix of all of this that explains uh, you know, the variation. But, but overall, we're gaining market share. NBF is doing exceptionally well uh, growing their AUA. Uh, it's been a really, really good year. Um, NBIN keeps, uh, keeps uh, producing amazing numbers. So those two businesses are the main drivers of our AUA. And on the AUM front, uh, yeah, record net sales, uh, we've uh, distinguished ourselves if you look at uh, many different uh, uh, numbers uh, like investor economics or so on, and um, we're doing really well there too.
11: Okay. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you. The next question is from Gabriel Deschain from National Bank Financial. Please go ahead.
13: Uh, Good afternoon. Just want to go back to that uh, PTPP guidance. Um, I, know I don't want to go into too much detail on segmented views, but just maybe more of a seasonal view, similar to the comments Gisne made about uh, operating leverage maybe being a bit softer in Q1 uh, due to the timing of expenses. Is that going to be reflected in maybe a ramp-up of PTPP growth over the course of the year or or, uh, or what?
4: Well, Gabriel, this is line. So uh, what I mentioned is you, you probably remember that in Q1 21, uh, that was, uh, I think, in terms of expenses, our lowest quarter of the year. And uh, we had probably one of the best quarter in terms of revenue of the year, mm-hmm. So, especially because of the gain of Credi. So, of course, uh, uh, we should not expect the same kind of PTPP in Q1 this year but uh but if you look at 20 uh, but the rest of the year should be better than q1 but q1 would be a challenge
13: i would say right even okay. though i mean okay. sorry go ahead no no it's okay it's okay i was just saying like your comments on operating leverage uh, applicable to pppp as well um then a uh, question about the flinks actually uh you know what does you know, this uh you know, enable for the bank uh strategically uh or, or or as we, you know, are heading down in the future anyway, to uh an open banking uh, uh system in Canada. Uh, you know, what uh, what what advantages of, of of being bank owned does that that, uh, that business have?
12: Again, uh, also, gener-
13: generally, what does it provide you in that sort of in the you know sort of environment we're heading to? And then, what are the advantages of a, if any of being owned by a bank? Or sure,
3: Gabriel, I'll, I'll uh, start. Um, maybe it's a bit early, also, but uh, if I, I'll go back to, uh, and I think I answered that question in the last call. Um, uh, for us, it's um, a positioning uh, in the fintech market. It's more of a fintech play. Um, uh, Flinks is a data aggregator that provides services to over 250 fintechs in the Canadian market and the U.S. market. We were early investors in Flinx uh, in 2016 or 17, and we gradually increased our position. So for us, it's uh, look we're looking at the fragmentation of the of financial services, um, the growth that they've had during that period of time. Um, So we we obviously think that there's uh, more potential going forward, given that, uh, you know, that fragmentation has really increased in the U.S. and could potentially increase more. Um, So it's more right now, uh, uh, you know, an option um, Mm -hmm. that we have.
2: Maybe I can add to that, uh, Laurent. Um, So, Gabrielle, for sure the open banking discussion is still... at its infancy in Canada, but it is happening out there. It is there. Um, so uh, Flink being the main data aggregator in Canada, is also very well connected with the fintech, the current FinTech ecosystem that is out there. So uh, certainly the Flink acquisition uh, gives us opportunities and also options from an IT perspective.
13: I mean, it's uh, I don't want to... Uh, overblow it or anything, but I did get a few investors asking about that today. All right, thanks.
1: Thank you. The next question is from Lamar Perso from Cormac Securities. Please go ahead.
6: Uh, Thanks. That's a point of clarification uh, for Laurent. Laurent, I think I heard you mention that you're expecting double-digit growth at ABA. Just, just just, to be clear there, are you referring to earnings growth or something else like loan growth? Uh,
4: um, well, uh, this is Giseline here. I can answer that. Uh, so just before to go there, um, you know, um, so we have very positive uh, things to say about ABA, especially the country you know, uh, with the pandemic. So as uh, Laura mentioned, you know, at the beginning, there's uh, no lockdowns anymore, borders uh, have reopened, and there's no more quarantine for uh, fully vaccinated travelers, So, which is a very good news, especially for the, the tourism sector. Um, and uh, another good point also is manufacturing, retail, construction sectors are almost back to where they were before the pandemic. Uh, so, which is once again a very good thing. And Cambodia recently signed a free trade agreement with Asian countries, including China. So we think that it could be positive for Cambodia, uh, for the Cambodian economy in the coming years. So uh, to um, to go to your question. Uh, uh, we see very good momentum for ABA in the in, in the coming years, and especially for 2022. And we expect another year of double growth, uh, double digit growth in terms of loans, deposit revenues, and also net income.
6: Okay, okay, that, that answers that. And then, you know, one thing that really stands out, just sticking with ABA, is the significant decline in the efficiency ratio. So, I went from the low 40s to the mid 30s in 2021. So could you talk a bit about what drove that improvement uh, and is, how is it expected to trend over time? Then I guess uh, maybe some comments on the earnings power of guys looking out not just 2022, but even beyond Then, I guess what I'm going at is you look at the start of 2020 earnings are in the 40 to 50 million range a quarter. Mixed ratio is in the low forties. We go through COVID the efficiency ratio drops to the low thirties and earnings have gone up to the seventies. So, you know, I'm just, Thinking about you know what's the outlook for for ABA specifically?
4: Yeah, um, so once again, Mr. Gislain. So uh, the first part of your question, it's related to the pandemic and the fact that you know um, uh, activities have slowed down over the last eighteen months. So there was uh, there was uh, you know few investments. So this is basically why they have this. Well, and also they worked on their expenses during the pandemic, so this is why you saw a decrease or an, an increase or an improvement in terms of efficiency ratio. But this uh, would go back probably, you know, in the forty percent range uh, in the in 2022 in the coming years because they will they will resume, you know, uh, their investment, especially in their uh, retail network. So this is for the first part. Um, the second part, we uh, we always said in the past, you know, that uh, over time, what we're seeing for EBA is 20, around 20%, 20% plus growth every year. So we think that it's feasible uh, knowing that, you know, the country is still on the bank. Uh, there's a favorable demographics there, you know, 65% of the population is under are is below 35 years old, uh, so uh, we think, and the country is very well positioned in Southeastern Asia, so we think that it's feasible, and uh, and uh, I think that uh, the 20% that we gave before still holds for uh, for the future
6: at this point of time. Great, thanks. That's it for me.
1: Thank you. The next question is from Darko Mihalic from RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Hi,
14: thank you. Good afternoon. Uh, I think I'm going to start with a philosophical question for Laurent. Um you not know, the first quarter as a CEO I would have never expected a big change in anything. So, um this really is is, is aimed at uh the moratorium on emerging markets. And what I'm just curious about is you know um do you just generally, do you, do you generally like that business? Uh, you know, do you have a team of people scouring emerging markets for opportunities? Um, do you ever see um, a, a point in time where you would reverse course and remove that moratorium? just want to understand sort of your mindset um, when it comes to the emerging markets business and capital deployment there.
3: Uh, thank you for your question, Darko. Uh, I mean, I think I was pretty clear in my um, <clears throat> my script. Um, we have we have a team that manages obviously our our investment, but it is uh, currently not a priority to uh, to invest outside of our current investment. So we're we're very happy with, uh, um, as I mentioned, our our, uh, our ABA uh, franchise. Uh, obviously Credigy as well, and uh, the focus is really on uh, on ABA uh, outside of uh, creditdigy to to really uh, you know, keep growing our bank in Cambodia, solidify our position there. Um, but uh, you know uh, in the near future there's definitely uh, from from uh, on my side and, and the the management team there's no intention on uh, on investing abroad at this point in time.
14: Okay, but I'm going to press you a little bit on it, and the question is why. So, you know, I understand that right now you may not want to do it, but you've got a team scouring. Um, there could be great opportunities. I just, I'm just trying to understand the mindset. It's,
3: it's a question of focus. Um, you know, if you, you just heard G Sen talk about the potential growth for ABA, so we want to make sure that we, you know, grow that uh, uh, the the ABA bank uh, prudently. Uh, that uh, you know we, we we make sure that we um, follow that growth as it goes through economic cycles potentially uh, so that's that 's really where our mindset is uh, and as you heard it on on uh, you know as I talked a little bit about uh, uh, you know the future uh, you know one of the things that uh, where we see a lot of potential is actually here in our, in Canada and in our domestic franchise, so we want to also put uh, you know more emphasis in terms of growth in some of our businesses in Canada. Um, so you, you could keep challenging me. I have no problem with that. But uh, our uh, I think we're, we're very comfortable with uh, our current business mix, uh, you know, the strategic choices that we've taken within those business mix. We're very, very comfortable with that. Uh, you know, we're going to remain disciplined in terms of capital allocation, risk management, cost control, uh, you know, and we're going to commit to performance as we always did. And that you should not expect that to change uh, with us.
5: Okay,
14: great. Thank you for that. And I just wanted to sort of switch gears a little bit. One of the things, you know, again, I've only got three banks to compare against so far uh, with respect to Q4. But one thing that does set your bank apart is, um, you know, risk-weighted asset growth, total risk-weighted asset growth at NA, 10% this year, Scotia flat, Royal Effectively flat, um, now, one of the things that we saw at the other banks, though, is there were opportunities for modeling, sort of updates, changes. Uh, are there any opportunities like that for NA at all? Um, as you see, Maybe this is a question for Bill or, or for his client, but um, is there any opportunity for model updates, parameter updates, any sort of help on, on the risk-weighted asset side? Because you know 10% growth in this year, um, I can only imagine as, as the economy takes flight, um, how much RWA growth you could achieve, unless, of course, there are opportunities to reduce uh, RWA density.
5: So, thanks, Darko. Maybe I'll start off. It's Bill, um, and if Jean or, uh, or Gislin has any, any follow-ups they can add in. But thanks thanks for pointing out. We, we were really pleased with the, uh, the growth in RWA coming from the growth in the organic business, and that includes uh, commercial banking, includes financial markets, uh, both on the lending side, but also on the Risk management products and the, the derivative side. So, so lots of client activity, growth in the franchise franchises, generating uh, uh, increases in RWA. And I'll point out as well that uh, that happened with a with a superior ROE. So the opportunities to grow organically, uh, loan growth, RWA at uh, at really uh, really good ROE levels. uh, we we, uh, would like that to continue into the new year. So certainly there are always potential opportunities with data refinement and model updates that could give uh, uh, some some tailwinds uh, to uh, the uh, the RWA uh, calculations. However, um, I don't have anything to signal, and I'll just remind you that the the, given the, uh, the, uh, the the results that we've seen on the revenue side and the, risk-rated, uh, the risk-reward risk equation on the, that RWA growth, we don't see it as an impediment for continuing the future growth. Does that answer your question, Darko? Yes, yeah,
14: that's great. Uh, thanks very much for that, Bill.
1: Thank you. As a reminder, you may press star 1 if you have a question. The next question is from Saurabh Mavahadi from BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead.
15: Yeah, thank you. Actually, I, maybe I can just pick up uh, where Bill left off there. Um, when or when you and Darko, I guess, uh, left off there. When you, uh, Bill, when you give us this uh, outlook on impaired PCLs, for example, you give it to us in basis points terms. Uh, what's the what sort of loan growth is implicit in that guidance?
5: You're looking at the denominator, I suppose, yeah. of that calculation. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So. So, given the uh, um, thanks for the question, uh, Sora, But the 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 denominator, the delta, the denom- potential delta in the denominator isn't the biggest, uh, certainly factor in that uh, that equation. It's really the, how, how I would uh, how I would frame the, the 15 to 25 basis points is if you think historically pre-pandemic we were within that 15 to 25, mainly on the the, the top end of the of the range. Uh, During last year, we were below that 15 basis points. We ended up with 11 basis points, and and our discussion looking forward is we think we'll be at the low end of that that range, Uh, uh, and at some point in 2022-2023, we we should uh, get back into the the, the normal run rate pre-pandemic so uh, the the variability on or the uncertainty in terms of the macro environment is uh, certainly got more of a of an impact than the denominator of the of the calculation okay so
15: so when you combine that with um, you know with how the performance kind of allowances may may also contribute to the total total number, I think if I read your message correctly, you know, there could still be some performing allowance allowance releases. That's correct. And I guess what I'm trying to get, get a feel for, Bill, and I think, uh, you know, um, in, in quarters past, uh, you, you guys have been pretty clear that you're comfortable growing into your allowances. I'm just trying to kind of get a sense of, you know, how much of that guidance implicit in your kind of performing is like how are you growing into it or are you releasing it? Yes, yeah, so I'm trying to figure out how much of it how much is happening in each one of those buckets
5: uh, maybe both uh, sarab uh, is the is the uh, i think probably the the fuller answer both I, I I think we saw um even in the fourth quarter we saw uh, growth in performing allowances from international as growth in the, in the assets were, were quite strong. Um, and yet we had uh, <coughs> excuse me, releases from the performing allowance. I think if you look at the, the coverage ratios, kind of in indicators about how the uh, adequacy of the allowances that we have, I think that you can see there is room for both growth in the, in the balance sheet and, uh, and as uncertainty is removed and gets smaller, certainly uh, some, some uh, releases coming from those allowances as well. That helps. Okay, and then maybe
15: that's helpful. Yeah, if I can just come – I know we're over time, but if I can just come at it from a slightly different angle here. Laurent, you mentioned mid-single-digit pre-tax, pre-provision growth at the total bank level. What sort of balance sheet growth is implicit in that assumption?
5: I think it's around 7%. Okay, and, and Saurabh, just just uh, one one further addition. As I see uh, now, a little where you're you're going. The the nature of the growth is important as well. Uh, just like for RWA growth in in residential mortgages, to, uh, doesn't have the same uh, the same consumption or insured uh, uh, real estate in Stefan's world. So it does depend on the nature uh, of the growth in terms of the you know you think about risk density, you can think about ECL density as well.
15: Uh, perfect. And can you just remind us what ABA's market share in Cambodia?
4: Well, uh, well, it depends uh, on, on the products, but uh, they are third. Uh, they are the third bank, you know, in terms of asset size uh, in Cambodia. But for some um, uh, digital products, uh, they are either second or first.
15: And am I right that a few years ago when you had an ABA kind of discussion with with the investment community, they would have said they're probably ranked fifth in market share by assets?
4: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that uh, when we first invested in ABA, they were like seventh or eighth. At the moment of uh, the investor day, they were fifth, and now they're third.
15: Thank you very much.
1: Thank you. The owner for the questions registered at this time, I would like to turn the meeting back over to Mr. Ferreira.
3: Well, thank you very much, uh, everyone. Happy holidays to all, and uh, we'll uh, speak to you next quarter.
1: Thank you. The conference has now ended. Please disconnect your lines at this time, and we thank you for your participation.